Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Let's Talk About It podcast show. Before we get started today, I want to thank the great folks at the Fort Smith Museum of History for allowing us to record in their television and radio exhibit. Caroline and the whole staff have been really helpful to me and my crew over the last couple of months getting this podcast up and running. If you would like to visit the museum, they are located at 320 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith or online at fortsmithmuseum.org. The museum is open Tuesday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m and masks are optional. Our guest today is a local celebrity to the people of Fort Smith and the surrounding areas. He started his radio career in the late 70s while serving in the Air Force down in Mississippi. He can be heard every weekday from 7 to 9 a.m. on the Fort 94.5 and was the host of Thunder TV show which ran for 21 seasons on our local TV stations. He is the president of one of the biggest family-friendly motorcycle events in the area called the Steel Horse Rally, which will be held this year on May 6th and 7th. For more information on the rally, please visit thesteelhorserally.com. And now it's my pleasure to introduce the snowman, Mr. Dennis Snow. So today I'm sitting down with one of the people that I grew up listening to in the radio world. If you grew up in the 80s and 90s, even into the 2000s, You've heard this man's voice numerous times on the radio. Uh, I can remember as a kid growing up in the 80s, listening to one of the biggest radio stations in the world, you know, for Kisser. Um, everybody, it's my friend and yours, Mr. Dennis Snow. How are you doing this morning, DJ? Well, not too bad, not too bad. Today we're going to talk about how you got started in radio, and then we're going to talk about the TV program, and then we're going to in the podcast here today on the Big Steel Horse Rally that you yourself put on every year with the help of the surrounding uh, businesses. But when did you get started in radio and how did you go about doing it? Well, it was really kind of a fluke the way I got into radio. I was in uh, Air Force uh, Tech School, actually, in Biloxi, Mississippi. For, I was an air traffic controller in the United States Air Force from 73 to 77. And a buddy of mine down there uh, worked at WPMP in uh, Pascagoula Moss Point. And they needed some uh, help, so the first time I got paid was to do commercials on WPMP in 1974, so that's 48 years ago, and it was just kind of a fluke the way I got started, and I was, you know, like so many DJs, I was a frustrated musician, was a drummer and a singer, and wasn't real good at it, so uh, it kind of launched my career there, and I kept doing commercials and doing uh, things like that, public appearances, and... uh, then when we, I got out of the Air Force, uh, came back, actually did some broadcasting over in Europe, uh, came back here and uh, decided that I went back to college, got my degree uh, in broadcasting and decided that I wanted to uh, do that for a career for the rest of my life and uh, I've been real happy with the choice. But of course, I came to Kisser in the late 70s and uh, back when we were a monster radio station, we had a rock format back then. Uh, 100,000 watts. We were the number two station in the country, as a matter of fact. So that was pretty awesome. And uh, then they decided to change the format in 1986 to top 40. Not my cup of tea. So I left them in 1986 and I went back to college, got my master's degree at the University of uh, Arkansas in Fayetteville. Did radio up there um, while I was going to school. And uh, I kind of uh, came back uh, to Fort Smith with uh, KZBB. We had Zebra 97.9, which, in my opinion, is one of the best rock stations that we ever had here in the area. Um, Larry Tate and uh, Eldon Kaufman were the owners there, and we were on the air from 93 to 99-ish and uh, had a wonderful time there. And then they sold the radio stations. 
Um, it's still floating around as a different format now. And I moved to Atlanta and I actually uh, did a lot of film work in Atlanta, did a lot of voiceover work. I met my wife, who I've been married to for 16 years, and we actually came back uh, on vacation here one time. I'm from Hot Springs, and we were in Hot Springs, and she wanted to see where I'd done radio. So we came up here and ran into Fred Baker, and uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, I came back and went to work for Fred in there for just a minute, and then uh, ended up at uh, where I am now at the Fort 94.5 FM. Uh, Bill and Karen Ferris on the radio stations, and I've been broadcasting there now for, gosh, 14 years. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and uh, it's really, I love this community. Uh, that's been a really big part of my broadcasting career has been being involved with the communities, helping, you know, in any way that I can give back, whether it's promoting an event, doing a podcast, whatever, you know, whatever I can do to uh, give back to my community, I've always done. And I've uh, taken a lot of pride in that, and uh, that's kind of how the Steel Horse Rally got started, too. But We'll talk about that a little bit later, but so 48 years in broadcasting, and I'm still not tired of it. So. And that's the thing. If you can do something, somebody told me one time, if you can do something you love, you never work a day in your life. That's right. I mean, I've been very, very fortunate. Everything I've done in my life as far as careers from being an air traffic controller, I've had a real passion for. And you're right. You don't, you know, you don't feel like, uh, you almost feel like you owe them money because you have so much fun when you're doing it. and. I mean, I've probably broadcast all over uh, every square inch of Fayetteville, Van Buren. We've done live remotes. And like I said, one of my proudest moments has been um, when I do it for charities, when I do it for other people. Um, a couple of things I've done in the past, uh, James Killian uh, needed a heart back in the uh, 80s. And uh, his employer fired him because he didn't want to see an increase in his uh, uh, insurance rates. So I climbed up on the Central Mall sign and uh, set my goal at, I think, $10,000, and we ended up raising almost $50,000. And it was pretty cool because at the end of, the, of everything, when I came down off the sign, um, we actually got to fly to Louisville and pay cash for a heart. So that was pretty cool. That was kind of cool. That's uh, something that doesn't happen every single day. And then uh, I walked across the state of Arkansas for St. Jude's Hospital. Um, that was a lot of fun as well. That's such a, a touching facility that does wonderful work with children if you've never been there. Of course, Danny Thomas started it, and we got to uh, uh, get to know that that crew quite well. But it's just things like that that keep me going. And, uh, you know, whenever you can help somebody, I think there's a saying that says you never a man never stands as tall as when he stoops to help a child. And we kind of live by that saying. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, you look at the children's hospital, you look at, there's a children's hospital in Little Rock. There's one that just opened up in Springdale. They're everywhere. And if you've ever been to one of those hospitals and you see what those kids are going through and what their families are having to deal with any time that anybody can help out. Yeah, it's really not fair to see a child suffer like that. I mean, you know, especially as an adult who's had a wonderful life and a great career in radio to see a child that's needlessly suffering and Anything you can do, be it, uh, you know, St. Jude's or be it the Arkansas Children's Hospital, I mean, you can't help uh, but give any way in your talent, time, or efforts that you can. Now, your early days with Kisser, you're talking A78 to 85, 86? I left in 86, yeah. Yeah, you know, that was back when Kisser did the big Easter egg hunt. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, that, it was amazing the amount of people. You could drive through Fort Smith <laughs> and see people out looking for the kisser easter eggs that's something yeah we did well it was the easter egg hunt was different from we had the uh we'll find our s find our we, we hid things yes. and uh, fred baker was so good at doing that but one of my most vivid memories of that was 
Uh, they narrowed it down to where it was at Ben Garen Park. It was always in a public facility, and they narrowed it down to Ben Garen Park. And this is back in the days when we used what's called a Marty to broadcast. Now we just use cell phones. But back in those days, it was a, a portable transmitter. And I was on a golf cart from uh, the golf course out there. And every time I would talk, all these people were on their hands and knees, and they would raise up, and it looked like thousands of prairie dogs out there. But it was it was pretty cool to see that. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Once again, it was for the community. I mean, we gave away a, a 450 SL Mercedes. We gave away a turbocharged Supra. We gave away his and her Corvettes. Uh, it was really a lot of fun. And, you know, that was those were the fun days in radio. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was back when. <laughs> it was back before the streaming services and, and satellite radio took over. And you... Probably if you didn't have an 8-track, you had a cassette player, and some of the newer vehicles had CD players in them. But radio was big. That was really the only way to communicate to people on the masses. Yeah, it's changed. Radio. It's changed a lot, too. I mean, now, like you said, with the streaming services and computers, everybody's almost got a, a radio station playlist at their house now. I mean, I still enjoy doing live radio. A lot of I told myself... At the end of uh, the 90s, that when a computer took my job, I was done. And that's when I moved to Atlanta. Uh, and like I said, did a lot of film work, did some voiceover work, uh, ran several bars and restaurants out there because I just it didn't feel the same. You know, like I said, a computer took my job. But then when I came back to Fort Smith, it was uh, easy to get back into uh, radio. I've never done corporate radio just for that reason. They do a thing called voice tracking. Um, which is kind of what we're doing right now, but it's different because they go in and record their breaks at you know a predetermined time, and they're not live. Yeah. And I'm like, no, radio is about being live. It's about giving traffic reports. I mean, our number one priority in broadcasting is emergency information. Uh, we all remember the days of tornadoes, severe weather. I'd be out at the weather service. Fred would be on the air down at the uh, at, at Kisser at the radio station there, but. That's our number one priority is emergency information. And you can't do that when you're, you know, when you recorded your show the day before or even an hour before. So that to me is really what radio is all about. Yeah. My mom worked in radio back in the mid 80s. She worked for KCCL out of Paris. And I think that was an AM station. And then it switched over to KLEO, which was 95.3, based out of Paris. And I remember her, she would pre record her news breaks. Oh, yeah. And one day she went home at 5 o'clock, and she stepped in the grocery store to grab something, and the lady behind the counter was looking at her because she could see her in person. She could hear her on the radio and also see her in person, and she couldn't figure out how she did it. Yeah. It, was, it was like a, a trick of the mind, and it was like, no, my news breaks are recorded unless something pops up. Yeah, but everything else is live. And back in the old days, you had to do it on tape. And of course, nowadays, like you're doing now, we're recording on a computer. It's a lot easier. And now with cell phones, you can record anything, anytime. And you have to be aware that somebody could be recording you yeah. at any time too. But it's really changed. It's made broadcasting live a lot easier. Um, I mean, it's a little confusing when you broadcast live because you just look like you're talking on your phone. But um, it, it's made it easier, but it's taken away to me in a lot of senses. There's a lot of radio stations in Fort Smith right now where the disc jockeys are not live, and I just don't agree with that. I think they're cheating their audiences. I, th I agree with you. I mean, because, you know, I'm not saying that radio stations are not great, but you've got satellite feeds for everything nowadays, and so you're hearing what somebody else is hearing. And back in the day, I remember you could turn on the radio and hear a local DJ, and he would do local news, local call-ins and everything. Everything would be local. And then he would run from 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning to 10, 11 o'clock. 
you'd have your noontime person come in, run the noontime break, lunchtime break. Somebody would come in and run the three to five, three to six shift, and then somebody come in and run overnights. If you stayed on the air past 10, then you'd have an overnight guy. Mm-hmm. Well, like, that's, you know, that's back in the old days, it was 24 7. It's the way radio um, should be, in, in my humble opinion. And it's changed so much now. Everything goes to an automated system where it runs itself. Of course, the problem there is if you ever have a power surge or anything where you lose electricity, you're kind of in a uh, in a bad way there. But, you know, that, those, that started changing in the late 90s. We saw a lot of automation, a lot of satellite. Um, but we still take pride in the fact that when I do my morning show on the Fort 94.5 every morning from 7 to 9 a.m., I'm still live. Uh, Jessica, our midday girl, she's still live. Our afternoons are still live. Now, we do go to satellite overnights because, you know, we know that listenership drops considerably. And then there's the cost of, you know, of employing talent. And that's what a lot of people were trying to do was save money. But in radio, the talent is what you're selling. So I never agreed with the fact that you, uh, you know, let people go to make more, to, to save money and then make money. To me, it was almost, I don't know, when you voice track and when you do it, it's almost... Uh, like you're taking advantage of your audience. So we take great pride in the fact that we're live because to me, that's what radio is all about. And I really feel like right now radio is coming back full circle. You're seeing more and more stations and big markets that are going back to live again. Uh, because when you come to a town in the old days, you could turn on the local radio station or hit your scan and find a station and get all the local flavor, the local weather. You could find out where to eat. You could, you could find out everything that you need to know. And nowadays it's more about... Uh, making the almighty dollar, and it's all about that P&L, which, you know, still, radio is a business. And, of course, uh, the elder I've gotten, I understand that. But there's, to me, it's easier to set a live personality that represents their city. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what's crazy because there, you can jump on the Internet now and listen to local radio stations. Like, there's a website I go to, Radio Garden, and you could pretty much listen to any radio station in the world. And it's their live broadcast or whatever they're broadcasting, but I can listen to South Dakota, California to my computer just as I would if I was there. You know, you hit the local commercials, the local news, local weather, everything that goes with it. So that being said, I mean, do you, I don't think radio, local radio will ever go away. I don't, I don't think satellite radio or streaming services will ever put it completely out. No, and one thing, like you got the Sirius FMs and all XM, whatever it's called, um, but they cost. I mean, that's another been another luxury of radio. It's always been free to the listener. You turn your car on or you turn it on at home on uh, your stereo system at home, and it never costs you to listen to the radio. That's where the uh, the commercials come in, you know, to pay the talent and to uh, keep the lights on, so to speak. But, yeah, it's, you know, uh, these subscription services, um, I mean, some of the online stuff you have to pay for as well. I know a lot of it's free. Um, but you know, it's just very, very easy and for people to get in their car, especially, you know, in the morning on the way in or in the afternoon on the way home from work, uh, to find out about local accents, where to avoid, what to do, what not to do. And and I always think that's going to be successful in radio. Now your time down in Atlanta, you said you did voiceover work and I mean, is there anything out there that people could go and listen to to hear the work that you did while you were in Atlanta? Um, I was in, um, Sweet Home, Alabama, the movie. Um, you can see me in there. I did a little bit of voiceover work with that. The Fighting Temptations work with Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, most of the stuff, I mean, some of the national commercials I did have come and gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, those pay pay well. Um, you have to get your SAG card, especially if you have a speaking part. 
Um, but it was a lot of fun. It was real different. And, you know, it was something I'd always wanted to do. And being in a major market like that, it's a lot easier to do. Um, my television show, which is called Thunder TV, and it's always been called Thunder TV. The reason I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, was because uh, we'd met with a guy named Ted Turner. And Ted Turner had a huge interest. He was about to launch this new network called Spike TV. And we had a business plan, and we had a pilot episode of Thunder TV that we showed to him and to his management. And they absolutely loved this television show. They said the only recommendation they had was to get a female counterpart for me, an attractive woman. I don't mean this the wrong way, yeah. but their words were eye candy. And I yeah. said, hey, I agree, we can do that. But it was still about riding motorcycles. Uh, we had Harley-Davidson was going to be a sponsor, pretty much like it was here when we were on there. And uh, I met with them. They loved it. They said, okay, we're going to pay you X amount of, a large amount of money per episode. Um, we're going to give you, we, I had a hard time giving up creative control. They always want to control everything. Uh, but they said, come back the next day. We'll sign the contracts. Um, we'll do everything and we'll be done. And I said, excellent. I was so excited. And when I lived in uh, Atlanta, all I had was my motorcycle. I didn't have a car. I just had my Harley. So I jumped on my Harley, went three blocks, and got hit by a car. <laughs> so I laid in intensive care for two weeks. Had lost my voice. I was unconscious for like four days. Um, it was a pretty obviously a very serious accident. So <laughs> when I finally was able to get up out of bed and make the phone call, uh, I called the guy that I'd met with, and there was this big, long silence. And he goes, where have you been? I said, I've been in Grady Hospital in intensive care. And I said, don't tell me that you stole my idea. He said, there was another long silence. He said, well, no, we didn't steal. I said, don't tell me you call it Thunder TV. He said, no, you ever heard of American Thunder? That's where it came from. So, you know, sometimes things happen for a reason, I guess. Yeah. It was a tough pill to swallow because I was so excited. Like I said, it's something I'd worked for my whole life. Um, and I finally got it or got really, really close to it. I got to smell it. But, and like I said, I was, it was a very serious motorcycle accident and all you can do is laugh and move along. Yeah. So at what point in your life did you become a motorcycle enthusiast? Oh, I've been riding motorcycles my entire life. I mean, I got my motorcycle endorsement when I was 14 years old. Um, you know, back in the day, I guess I got my first Harley in 1972, um, and have ridden nothing but Harley since. I'm a Harley guy, and, uh, you know, they're not cheap anymore. So, and, of course, I have a 2016 Street Glide now, but I've been a motorcycle guy my whole life. I mean, I've always really enjoyed the freedom, the lifestyle, and the thing that's really cool here in Fort Smith is, you know, after living here on again, off again, all my adult life, um, is rediscovering roads. When you take a road in a car, a cage, as we call them, it's, it's not the same as when you ride your motorcycle. You have the smells and everything, and yes. you can feel the chill in the air. And it's so, so you get to rediscover your backyard. I mean, you know, the pig trail, Talamina Drive, which starts in Arkansas and ends in Oklahoma. But we have some of the, the best motorcycle roads in the entire country. So I've stayed an, an avid rider my entire life, and that's something I don't ever see myself giving up. Well, the thing about Arkansas, you can pretty much <laughs> ride Arkansas 10 months out of the year. Pretty much, 12 yeah. if you're a hardcore yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you know, looking at the forecast, we've got mid to upper 60s this weekend and Monday size 73, and we're in February. So, yeah, I mean, you can always – that's another wonderful thing about where we live. 
I mean, you can't ride every single day, obviously, with a you know severe weather, and it does get cold. When I mean, we had a big snowstorm a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, you can find those those days that you can always get out and ride. The Harley doesn't collect much dust in the garage. Yeah, my I have family that live up in the Sioux Falls, South Dakota area, and when I first met my father-in-law, he had a Harley. He had a Harley, and his wife had one, and it was like. I got it. I started riding, and I went and bought her one, and she rode it for about six weeks and had a close scare, and she didn't ride it ever since. And then, you know, up there, six months out of the year, it's ice and snow and too cold to ride. Yeah, if you're lucky, you get a three, four months of yeah. good riding up there. So that's why fi- I don't live in Falls, South Dakota. <laughs> and so he finally just, you know, he loved it, but he couldn't ride it enough, and he was getting up there in age, and so he didn't want to take a chance of having a major accident because – you may be a, the, you may know how to ride in and out twenty four seven. You know everything there is to do, but some goofball behind the wheel of an oncoming vehicle doesn't see you or not paying attention, and there you are. Yeah, that's the hardest part of riding a motorcycle. It's not myself or the people I ride with. They're all very experienced riders. It's always the other people that you're concerned about. You know, there's a saying in motorcycle riding: you always ride at least a block ahead. When everybody, some, whenever somebody pulls up on the side street, you automatically look for your out. Uh, if you don't ride like that, then uh, you probably are going to have an accident. There's a lot of people that don't pay attention to motorcycles. Uh, you can hear my motorcycle big time, but a lot of people, I mean, they're smaller, obviously. Um, both motorcycles I got hit on, and the two bad wrecks I've had in my life were black. So now I ride a white motorcycle. White so you can see it a little <laughs> bit better. But that's, I mean, that's a very valid point. You know, it's... It's not myself and my crew that I worry about. It's the other people on the road. And you really have to ride very, very defensively. Um, and, you know, you have to be very, very aware of what's going on around you. Um, you know, even back when I was a drinking man, which I haven't had a drink in 17 years, but even when I was a drinking man, I never rode the motorcycle when I'd had one sip of alcohol. Because it's hard enough to stay alive, um, you know, clean and sober. But when you throw alcohol in the mix, it really increases your chance of having a wreck. So, you know, it's a wonderful, wonderful it's much more than a hobby for me. It's a lifestyle. And uh, I really enjoyed riding this motorcycle. Uh, my wife loves it as much as I do. Every vacation that we've taken for the last 12 years, we've had the motorcycle with us. We've been, we've traveled coast to coast. I mean, we've been to Canada a couple of times on the bike. I mean, we crossed the border on the bike. We didn't, you know, take the car. Of course, we've been to Sturgis several times. And now it's nice to know that the Steel Horse Rally has reached a level uh, you know, of 100,000-plus people. So the Steel Horse Rally is really starting to get national attention as the place to come in and uh, the first weekend of May every year. Yeah. The Steel Horse Rally. <coughs> so uh, how, did that, how did you go about starting that? Uh, the Steel Horse Rally, you know, has been in my uh, mind for decades. Um, back when I first started seriously riding again back in the early 90s when I came back with Zebra 97.9, um, you know, when you come across the Arkansas River Bridge here and come into Garrison, you see that huge avenue. And I've always, in my mind's eye, seen motorcycles parked in the middle. And on the sides, I thought, what a wonderful place for a motorcycle rally. You've got bars, you've got restaurants, you've got so many great roads around here. You've got Oklahoma right here. Um, so I started trying to do the rally and actually started trying to do it in the 80s. But back in those days, bikers had a pretty nasty reputation. Um, we were still, you know, looked down upon, if you, if you will. And as time progressed, and I fought the city 
over it. Um, you know, they didn't want to talk about it back in the day, so I kind of put it on the back burner. But I kept trying every year to get them to listen to me. And when I came back from Atlanta, I was I didn't I was just shocked at what had happened to downtown Fort Smith. Uh, it was like it was a ghost town. Uh, there was nothing going on. There was no civic pride. And I said, man, this is not the way I left this town. So that's when I really in earnest sat down and put together a board of directors. And we, you know, did research. And then we went to the city and said, listen, we've got this wonderful fundraising idea. We're gonna, we are a 501c3 state registered and federally registered nonprofit who gives money to other nonprofits, but as importantly uh, as members of the city board of directors or the city, whatever they're called, um, it's going to be a, an opportunity for a huge economic impact into Fort Smith and the surrounding areas, but specifically downtown Fort Smith. So they actually started listening to me. So when we decided to go ahead and pursue it vigorously all the time, I went to the city directors and said, okay, here's the business plan. Here's what we want to do. Here's where we want to do it. And I said, what we need now is a little bit of a nest egg to get this thing started. So I asked the city directors for some money. Um, they approved it. And uh, I'll never forget this day as long as I live. So we're all excited. Everything's moving forward. The board of directors is extremely excited. We're beginning to put our events together. Uh, we're beginning to book entertainment. And I get a uh, phone call from the, the mayor at the time, Sandy Sanders. Um, and I was on the air, which you never call me when I'm on the air. But I thought, well, this is probably an emergency. So I answered the phone. He said, listen, you know, we've been friends a long time, but I've got some bad news. I'm going to veto this. And I was like, why would you ever veto something that's going to be so good for your city and my city and everybody's city? Here's an opportunity to showcase, you know, the beauty of Fort Smith, um, open up uh, the city, especially downtown, welcome visitors from all over the world. Why would, but anyway, he did veto it. It's the first time he ever vetoed anything. So instead of, you know, putting our tail between our legs and running, we said, let's turn this negative into a positive. So we went to the public. Um, first, we went back to the city directors and said, okay, you know, your mayor has vetoed this, although we had a majority. So we needed two more votes to get it passed to, you know, override the veto. Well, we only got one more vote. So the veto stuck. Um, and we went to the, to the fine businesses and the citizens of this area and said, okay, now if you want this to happen, here's what we have to do. So we started with zero, nothing. I mean, I did not get paid. No, no, no one got paid. And it was all at that point, it was really a dream. Uh, but everybody wanted this so badly. And so we turned that negative into a positive. And the rest, as they say, is history because the first year we, you know, we put an estimate of 2,500 people uh, at the crowd, uh, for the crowd, and we did over 10,000 the first year. And every year it's grown exponentially. Uh, last year in 2021, we did over 135,000 people. And it's just such an amazing sight. But the thing, the bottom line here is it's so nice to see, pardon me, Fort Smith moving again in downtown. This has turned into the largest civic event in downtown Fort Smith, Arkansas, and we're so very proud of that. It had an economic impact estimated last year of $19.6 million. You can't just, you know, poo-poo that. That's, yeah. that's pretty serious money. Um, we've given over $100,000 to charity. And every year it's just grown and grown and grown by word of mouth and by advertising. And, you know, there again... 
when we got the, the veto, like I said, it was so important to us that we turned that negative into a positive and made it successful. And we're very, very proud of the Steel Horse Rally. I mean, uh, we have a lot to be proud of. The, just the volunteers alone, the people that come out and give freely of their time and their talents and their efforts are, I mean, nothing but hats off to them. We have hundreds of volunteers every year. This is a it's a huge undertaking. I mean, and now that we use, of course, 800 block of Garrison Avenue as our vendor village, uh, and that's grown exponentially. We have vendors that come in from all over the country now. We actually have a waiting list of vendors that want to come in and be part of the Steel Horse Rally. Now, thanks to Sam Seacard and the crew at First National Bank, the new parking lot there, we use that. And for 2022, uh, that'll be where we put our entertainment stage. Uh, that'll be where we put our BIB tent. Plus, we're putting more vendors in there. We're, we're just growing so fast uh, that we have to find more areas to put more people because uh, every year we want to, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, make the event bigger and better, uh, raise more money. And we don't charge admission. You don't have to, you know, a lot of rallies, you have to buy a ticket. You have to do all this. We're open to the public and we're very, very uh, positive about, we want you to have a positive experience in Fort Smith, Arkansas. We are family friendly. You know, a lot of motorcycle rallies are 21 and over and they can get a little risque. Well, we're not. We're family friendly as an, you know, to give you an example of that. Uh, one of the new events, it'll be the second year we've done it, is Cops and Cones. And what that is, because the motorcycle rally, the Steel Horse Rally, is dedicated to all who serve, be it a veteran, be it law enforcement, be it active duty, be it a first responder. That's that's what we're all about. We dedicate this rally to them. And we work so closely with the Fort Smith Police Department. And when the rally started, uh, for those that live in the Fort Smith area, we didn't have any motorcycle units. Now we have five. And they credit the Steel Wars rally with that, actually kind of getting that ball rolling, if you will. So um, we're very, very proud of that. But Cops and Cones is where we were working so closely with the motorcycle unit every single year. And we said, we need to do something to showcase uh, these men that ride these Harley Davidsons and have some fun with it. So uh, on May the 7th this year, Saturday at 10 a.m. in the morning, we meet right there just to the east of uh, Towson and Garrison. And uh, we put on an exhibition, they put on an exhibition, and it's really a lot of fun to watch. It's police departments. Last year was the first year, and we, you know, and anytime you do something new of that magnitude, you learn as you go along. Uh, obviously, the streets shut down, but we put the uh, exhibition right in the middle of Garrison Avenue. Last year, we had five police units that came in, so you get to see different motorcycles. And the whole key with this thing is not only fun to watch, but it gives the public an opportunity to sit down and approach a police officer in a positive manner. It's good public relations for the police officers. It's great community involvement for the citizens that come out. And it's a lot of fun to watch. But it starts at 10 a.m. on Saturday, May 7th this year. Uh, it's right there in front of Johnson Flores. And like I said, we shut down. The street's already shut down, but we shut down the shutdown. And but it's only for two hours, and it's really all the kids come up and want to take pictures with the motorcycle officers. And that's just one of the many things that we do. I mean, uh, the Thunder Through the Valley Parade, that's, pretty, that's a really spectacular event to be involved with if you ride a motorcycle. Um, we've moved the starting point on this because last year, as we got ready for the rally, the week of the rally, we used to start at Fort Smith Park because of the size of it, because we have you know, hundreds if not thousands of bikes that show up. We had a tornado on Tuesday before the rally that devastated a bunch of trees out there. So we moved it down to Riverfront Park, Harry Kelly Park. That's where we staged. That's where everybody got together. And uh, we're going to leave it there. Um, it's a shorter ride. 
Um, but uh, no offense, Clayton Expressway is not in the best shape. So it's a shorter ride. We come up A Street. We stage at 3 o'clock. We go kickstands up at 4 o'clock, and we come up A Street to 12th Street, right there by the OC, and it's now Civil Acts, and we turn uh, right there on Garrison and make a loop. But it's really a spectacular event to uh, to witness, even if you don't ride. Bring the kids down, stand on the sidewalk, and witness that. And a special thanks to not only the Fort Smith Police Department, but the Fort Smith Fire Department. Every year they bring out their big ladder trucks, and they drape a huge American flag right there on the corner of 10th and Garrison. And I'm telling you, every time I run under it, it brings tears to my eyes. It's oh. just so special to see all the hard work of the volunteers and the board of directors and everybody involved with the Steel Horse Rally. That's kind of the culmination of everything because it, you see all the people that are just really having a great time. But, it, you know, the most special thing to me about the rally is seeing the generations together, seeing the dads and the sons and the moms and the daughters. And, you know, people always ask me, Oh, what's your favorite part of the rally? I said, my favorite part of the rally is hearing the laughter over the sound of the motorcycles, which that's kind of yeah. hard to do anyway. Because it is, and the, the parade is called Thunder Through the Valley for obvious reasons. It, it is a little bit like, you hear us coming, I'll put it to you that way. But once again, that's Saturday, May the 7th, we stage at 3 o'clock. And it's open to everybody. It doesn't matter what you ride. It could be two or three wheels. And uh, we go kickstands up at 4. And then we come back to the First National Bank parking lot where we have... Uh, a band called Messer out of Dallas, Texas, which is going to be our uh, headline band this year. It's a rock band. Uh, but we also have, this year we're kind of doing something a little bit different. We've got what we call the Steel Horse All-Star Band. We're trying to showcase some. I mean, we got Gary Hutchinson and several other people from this area that are incredible, incredibly talented people that will be down there on the main stage at First National Bank Park. And I ride across the street from First National Bank. That's a 600 block of Garrison. It's 601, actually. Um, but there'll be something going on there all night Friday and all day Saturday. And for those that want to come down, and, you know, we apologize for the inconvenience of closing down Garrison, um, but it is great for the city now. As far as that, you need to make plans on Friday, May the 6th. Uh, we close down at 6.30 p.m. We try to get all the commuters out of town, and then you'll have to either use Rogers or uh, B Street to get out of town because we close down at 6.30 Friday night until 2 a.m., then they open the street back up. And then Saturday, it's an all-day event. We close down at 9 a.m., and the uh, Garrison Avenue is closed until 2 o'clock in the morning. But it's it's pretty crazy down there on Saturday. You see all the vendors and the, the parade and everything else. How many bikes did you have come in last year? How many bikes? How many How many? That's, I'm going to tell you something, counting bikes is like herding cats. There's no, all, all we know is, you know, with these new analytics of computers, like we were yeah. just talking about, new users last year in Fort Smith, Arkansas was over 135,000. So we had over 135,000 people. Now, some people ride two to a bike. Yeah. You know, some people trailer their bikes in, those that come from really far away. So, I mean, it's really, you know, and plus the thing about a motorcycle, they move. So, I mean, we have uh, companies that uh, drone companies that come in and we do estimates, uh, but it's virtually impossible to count yeah, how many count. bikes because, you know, some person may come in and make one trip around Garrison and some people may come home and get another bike and come yeah. back. So I would say roughly we had probably 80, 85,000 bikes. I know that we had several large groups that came in as a group and it just, you know, it's a lot to be proud of, but it's easier to count the people than it is the bikes. Yeah, and like I said, we went into the analytics and looked at, you know, when I did that, we shouldn't say brand new people. It's uh, 
people that use their debit cards or their credit cards or whatever, and, you know, they did it for the first time Friday and or Saturday. And that's really the easiest way for us to count that. And we do have tons of uh, drone footage and, and cell phone footage and all that. And since the TV show, which, by the way, is no longer on the air because of COVID, um, and don't care much for that, but it is what it is. And, of course, last year we weren't sure we were going to be able to do the rally because of COVID. If you think back, we were on lockdown up to that point. We had to do a huge 28-page um, uh, an emergency plan for the state of Arkansas, and they approved the plan. I mean, we had to have traffic flow. I mean, we had to have sidewalk traffic. It was crazy, but we did what we had to do. And the day that we got approved, that day at noon, the governor said, well, we're going to lift all this stuff. So we were able to do the rally, um, but we had to do six months' work in six weeks. So this year we have a little more time to put everything together. And once again, it's May 6th and May 7th. And all the information that you ever need for the Steel Horse Rally is available at thesteelhorserally.com. That's the official webpage. You can go to the Steel Horse Rally on Facebook, Instagram. We do all the social media stuff. And all the information, which changes quite frequently. Another uh, thing that we're really excited about, this will be the second year that we've used the entertainment district. This is a brand new ordinance for Fort Smith. And this allows people of age, 21 years old or older, once you get ID'd, uh, you get a wristband, and then you get an entertainment district cup, which, by the way, they're $5 a cup, and every single penny from the sale of those cups goes straight to our charities doesn't go to administrative costs. It doesn't go to any other costs. It doesn't go to entertainment. It goes straight to our charities. And uh, we should be naming the charities probably next week, by the way. But uh, then you can walk around Garrison Avenue and areas adjacent to Garrison Avenue. As long as you have the approved cup, uh, the police department, all law enforcement knows that's the cup. And as long as you're not acting a fool, then you're fine walking around with this Entertainment District Cup. And we're very, very excited again because this this is a new ordinance. So every year we're learning how to use it more effectively. We had zero arrests last year and have that many people. With zero arrests. Zero arrests. We've had, in fact, the last three years we've had zero arrests. And that is something that I'm extremely proud of as well because you think about all the people and some of them are drinking. Some have it a little more heavy than others. And that's okay, but... To have zero arrests, that's pretty spectacular. And, you know, one thing about motorcycle riders is they will they'll police themselves, especially large groups or clubs or organizations that ride together. If somebody starts getting out of line, they'll let each other know, hey, you know, you're reflecting on all of us, knock it off. So, But like I said, we're very proud of zero arrest. Um, we've had uh, it, we've just been very, very fortunate. You know, when you have that multitude of people, Eventually, something's going to happen, but uh, we're very, very prepared for it. We have an emergency action plan. We work with FEMA. We work with Sebastian County Emergency. Uh, we, we work with everybody, Portsmouth Police Department, Sebastian County Sheriff's Department. You know, you can't foresee every single problem, but I know that it's this city and this county and this community really support this rally. And I cannot, as the president of the rally, begin to thank all these people enough uh, because a lot of people put a lot of time and hours and, and, you know, some of the ideas like cops and cones that came from somebody who had an idea. And so, you know, we listen to every single idea. I have a wonderful board of directors uh, that directs me and, you know, it, it is what it is. They've grown. Uh, the rally has grown. Uh, we're very proud of it. Once again, all the information is always available at the steelhorserally.com. 
check out the entertainment district. We got some new things coming this year. As a matter of fact, one thing that we do that's not in downtown Fort Smith is at a tri-state speedway uh, right across the line on the interstate in Pecola, Oklahoma. Michael Huber and his family are doing a great job. As a matter of fact, this year, um, we do uh, the racing out there on motorcycles. And it, the first couple of years, it was huge. I mean, it was standing room only. And it's, once again, so cool to see that. Uh, but this year, they're going to sweeten the pot. We're using Extreme Flat Track as a company that comes in and works with us. We have professional riders. We have amateur riders. And if you've never seen one, it's a family-friendly event. Um, this year, we have micro wrestling, which is midget wrestling. <laughs> Uh, Michael's going to put that out at Tri-State Speedway. And if you ever watch Full Throttle Saloon with our good buddy Jesse James Dupree from Jackal, uh, there, if you ever watched the show back when it was on the air from Sturgis at, from Full Throttle Saloon, there was a, a, a demonstration group, if you will, called the Flaunt Girls. The Flaunt Girls are coming in. So they'll be out at Tri-State Speedway Friday night. Micro Wrestling will be out at Tri-State Friday night. And they're going to be racing Friday night. So... All kinds of stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, it's a completely, you've got a a full weekend. You could, I mean, with everything that you have scheduled, you could do a four-day event easy. Well, here's what we, this is the way we encourage people to come in. Anyone that doesn't, and and that's the second biggest request is make it longer. And there's a joke in there, but I won't tell it. But uh, there's, uh, (laughs) here's what we encourage riders to do. Come in on Wednesday. And go ride the area. Go do the pig trail. Go do Mount Magazine. You know, go uh, ride these wonderful, wonderful roads and then come in and enjoy the restaurants and the bars and down, not just downtown Fort Smith, all over Fort Smith and Salisaw and Choctaw Casino, which is one of our title sponsors. Um, Go out to Fort Smith Harley-Davidson, which used to be called Old Fort Harley-Davidson. They're another huge sponsor as well. Go out and enjoy the amenities and the offerings of Fort Smith and the surrounding areas. And then Thursday this year, we're going to do an official kickoff party downtown with the bars and restaurants downtown. So we're trying to give people more things to do during before the actual event starts. Now, the vendors open up on Friday morning in the 800 block of Garrison Avenue and in the First National Bank parking lot. And they go nonstop all the way through Saturday night about midnight. So there's always something going on. But we want people to come in early, and we want people to really enjoy the roads, enjoy the hospitality. I mean, because we have, you know, we live with a bunch of incredible people around here. I mean, and the Steel Horse Rally is proof of that. Uh, people helping people, but everybody's, you know, willing to give you directions and willing to tell you where to eat. Uh, we live in a very hospitable part of the world, and that's what makes the Steel Horse Rally successful, that and the group of volunteers and my board of directors. So we talk about the Steel Horse Rally. You know, you talk about the different clubs that come in, and it's not so much when you think of motorcycle clubs, you know, people think the one percenters, you know. Sure. But there's so many clubs out there that are, I don't want to say they're not one percenters, but you have Baca. The Baca Motorcycle Club. Arkansas Bikers. veterans, Vietnam yeah. veterans, the list goes on and on. You've There's got so, so many people that aren't. So many motorcycle clubs outside of the ones that everybody knows about. Sure. And I've done some work with Baca. I have a lot of friends that are in the CMAs. Absolutely. Which, by the way, the CMA National Headquarters is in Mena, Arkansas. Yes. And they have an amazing compound down south. They really do. The campground and everything else. Well, that gives you an example. I mean, you know, and this all comes back to the battle I've been fighting for decades. Back in the old days, everybody saw one percenters. And, and speaking of one percenters, 
uh, we talked to the outlaws. We talked to everybody, and they're a hundred percent supportive of the Steel Horse Rally. And we've never had an issue with them. Uh, I know the local president very well, one of my very good friends. People just everybody's like minded. Everybody wants to ride their motorcycle and be left alone. I mean, whether you're a Vietnam veteran motorcycle club member or you're a CMA or you're BACA, and there's just a ton of great, great organizations. But we're all like minded. The main thing is we want to ride our bike. We want to enjoy the freedoms of the United States, and we want to enjoy beautiful parts of the country like Fort Smith, Arkansas, and the Steel Horse Rally. And we welcome everybody. It doesn't matter. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you can't wear your patches. Well, we, we don't do that. I mean, you've earned that patch. So yeah. you're welcome here no matter what color your your cut is. No, it doesn't matter to us. We just want you to be respectful, have a great time, and, uh, you know, leave with some great memories. That's all we ask. So what are your future plans? What would some <laughs> what would What are some of the things that you would like to bring to the rally in the future coming up? Well, you know, we take uh, – We've done some great entertainment over the past. We want to see that to continue to grow. Um, and we're always open to suggestions. Anybody that has a suggestion um, can volunteer. Uh, we've got a volunteer meeting coming up in April, which will be our last volunteer meeting. And everybody, you got well, you do have to be 18 years old or older for obvious reasons. Um, but just go to our webpage, thesteelhorserally.com. Uh, Come to the next volunteer meeting and, you know, no matter what you like or don't like, we'll find a place where you'll fit, be it security. We we have a thing that we came up with called ambassadors because there's so many people from out of state and in some cases out of country that don't know anything about the area. And these ambassadors are clearly marked and they're there simply to answer questions and help you have a great time. You could do that if you live in the local area and know it. Uh, but we really, really, I can't thank the volunteers enough. They really are the fuel for the Steel Horse Rally. They're the ones that give tirelessly of their time. Um, and, you know, I've, it's, it's really amazing over the last, this will be the eighth annual. So over the last 10 years, how many of these volunteers have become like family members to me? My best friends now are volunteers because, you know, they're good people. Uh, anybody that gives freely of their time like that. Um, and doesn't get paid and doesn't whine and complain. That's one thing we ask at the rally is leave your negative attitude, you know, at the door. We don't want any negative attitudes. We don't want any hostile, you know, hostile uh, situations at all. We've had one uh, incident in eight years, one. And that's pretty amazing in itself. But, you know, when you come into downtown Fort Smith during the Steel Horse Rally, and I don't mean to sound hokey, but you feel the love. You feel people that are all just relaxed everybody's like, man, this is awesome. In fact, one of my favorite quotes is, can you believe this is downtown Fort Smith, Arkansas? Because it's so different, but it's all in a positive manner, and everybody's having such a great time. It's really contagious. And if you come come to the CEO's Rally and you don't have a good time, then you're trying not to have a good time. If you want to complain, you're looking for something to complain about. But like I said, we try to offer people enough things, family-friendly, to do that there's always something to do. You know, the main thing... It's just go out there and enjoy the other people, you know, because they're on their motorcycles too. And I mean, it's really amazing to watch when we close down the street. And it's such a beautiful sight to see the, the bikes lined up front wheel to front wheel on the yellow line in Garrison Avenue. It turns into a bike show. Everybody's showing off their bikes and looking at other people's bikes. There's countless hours spent that way. And But one of my favorite photos of all times is a mother who was out with a stroller 
at 9.15 on a Saturday morning, and she's handing this big, burly biker with a cut on. She's handing her infant baby over to this total stranger so she can take a picture, so this big biker can hold her baby and take a picture. I said, that's what the Steel Horse Rally is all about. We want it family-friendly. That's it. We don't. I mean, because you hear the horror stories coming out of your big events. You hear some of the things that happened, some of the things that happened in the past. And, and we don't want that. We no. want it to stay family-friendly. Well, anytime there's been an event, and I, I can think of one that happened in Las Vegas, um, but these, uh, these usually, these bad blood things start elsewhere. They don't ever start on the grounds of a rally, and they, they bring their, their problems with them, and it creates a problem, you know. And the time we had a problem, that's exactly what it was. And it's the only time that we arrested a bunch of people because they deserve to be arrested. Our concern is public safety for everyone. If you want to park your car over on Rogers Avenue or on 6th Street or wherever and walk over, pardon me, with your family, we want you to feel safe. And if you don't feel safe, you come find me and we'll make sure that you do. But a very, very special thanks to Fort Smith Police Department. They work tirelessly. But I mean, we've already met several times. We have everything from undercover officers to snipers on roofs, which we don't need. No. But it's all there to make people feel safe. And they do an incredible job. In fact, we have an active captain of the police department on our board of directors just to to offer us advice on how to do things correctly. And we take great care and we put a lot of hours in to make sure that the rally is done safely because we want to keep doing I want this rally to continue long after I'm gone. You know, we're trying to build it good enough that eventually I can step away and the next person will step in and keep it going. Now, we don't want to end up like another motorcycle rally where the city gets mad at us and they get run out of town. We don't want that. You know, we work really close. You know, I told you the story about the former mayor that vetoed the vote, and I'm sure he's wishing he hadn't done that because look, look how it's turned out. But the current mayor, George McGill, also does a, just an incredible job. He works hand-in-hand with the board of directors, with me. Jarena Storm, his right-hand woman, works with us closely. Carl Gefkin, Jeff Dingman with the city. These people all get involved well in advance so we can avoid any problems that we might even foresee happening. And that's what makes it so special. You know, and, and we really thank all the businesses because some of the businesses, you know, for some reason close down. They think they're not going to get any business off the rally, which that's ludicrous to me because they will get business. When you have 135,000 people in one area, you're going to find some people, no matter what you're selling or whatever your merchandise is, you're going to find somebody that wants that. But it's totally their prerogative to close down. Uh, you know, some of the people give up parking lots, and we really thank them for that. The state of Arkansas gives us a parking lot for Vendor Village. The city of Fort Smith has a parking lot. They give us Sam Seacard, First National Bank. They don't have to do that, but they do it because it's for the greater good. And that's why we do the Steel Horse Rally is for the greater good, you know, but we really want people to have a wonderful time. Uh, And the biggest compliment to the board of directors and all the volunteers are the people that come back every single year. We've gotten to know people that way. And it's, you know, I've got friends that come in from Memphis every year. They, They book their hotels as they're leaving the year before to make sure they have it for next year. And that's what it's all about. But, you know, it's really about, like I said, when I came back from Atlanta uh, and saw what had happened in downtown Fort Smith, I was ashamed. You know, I remember back when the Blues Fest was packed and everything. Everything, I remember when people from Fayetteville came down here to have a good time. And I saw that it was the other way around. And, you know, people are returning to Fort Smith again. And we're doing our part. And all we ask is that people that come into Fort Smith do their part. 
have a great time, spend all the money you want to spend, but be respectful and be safe and uh, come back next year to the Steel Horse Rally. So, because you're pretty much going Wednesday through, Wednesday through Sunday. So on Sunday afternoon, after everything's said and done, can you look back and go, it was it was amazing, or do you start going? Okay, we did this. Can we start? Well, do you have do you spend time yourself enjoying what you just just did over the last? Three days? I wish no. <laughs> we start seven a.m. Sunday morning. All the excellent volunteers and those that want to come, we start cleaning up. Cleaning up, yes. We and I preach this to everybody every year. We want to leave that area cleaner than we found it, and that takes a an army of people to do. My neighbors. Um, when I got out there last year at 6.30, they were already out there on the street picking up trash. And, and you know, we have a, a team that does that during the rally, but there's inevitably going to be trash. Uh, City of Portsmouth street sweeper, he sweeps before and right after the rally. Uh, but this is, once again, a civic pride. This is people coming together going, hey, we love this event, but more importantly, we love what it's doing for the citizens of, and the businesses of Fort Smith. Whatever we can do to help make this continue to be successful, we will. But that starting Sunday morning, uh, we all start cleaning up. My wife's out there with me. I'm out there. Everybody's out there. And we clean. We start with the parking lots because, once again, Sunday this year uh, after the Steel Horse Rally is Mother's Day. So we want to make sure that not one single restaurant goes, man, they couldn't park there because there was, was beer bottles yeah. there. No, number one, we don't allow bottles on the avenue, but we want to make sure that it's totally clean and they, they can come back and have a wonderful day of business on Sunday. In fact, somebody wrote a newspaper article one time. They were impressed that the president was out there cleaning up. But, hey, we do what we got to do. Uh, but they said it was so impressive to drive through downtown Fort Smith at noon on Sunday, and you couldn't tell anybody been there. Yeah, you couldn't tell that there was a motorcycle with – a motorcycle rally with over 150,000 people there to, a day before. Well, that's a huge compliment, once again, to the volunteers and, and to the businesses and to the people because, you know, everybody could just turn their backs and go, we're not picking that up. I'm not getting that cigarette butt off the ground. But they don't. Yeah. They stop and they take a second. And so many business businesses volunteer items like the trash receptacles. And we have people that uh, have the barriers that we put up for safety to keep cars off of Garrison Avenue. Uh, Beam Construction does a great job there. Why, uh, time striping, uh, they they help us with everything from the big signs to, um, it's amazing how many businesses give way above and beyond. And they do it every single year. They're like, oh, we'll be back next year. Because we, there again, it all comes back to, you know, what we want people um, to live by during the rally is have a great time, be respectful. And if we all do this in the same direction at the same time, we can make this work as long as we want to. But I am just amazed at how many businesses and individuals give freely to make this thing as wildly successful as it is. And then, like you said, the money you make goes straight back to charity. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, it's, you know, there's administrative costs. I actually get a salary now. I didn't get paid for two years, but I, <laughs> I get a salary yeah, now. But, I mean, you get, you know, you get paid because look at the responsibilities you're taking on yourself to get everything done. Well, and you've got to have one person that's, you yeah. know, just like we're in the Fort Smith Museum of History, which, by the way, during the rally, they always do something, thanks to Caroline Spears and her crew for doing what they do. Um, they'll have, I don't know if they're doing the bike show this year. I haven't had, hadn't had time to talk to her yet, but I think they are. They've done it every year. I know that. Yes. Um, they set up where they have, you know, uh, burgers and, and cold beers or non-alcohol, whatever you want, they have yeah. it for you. But this is another example of a charity helping another charity. 
And that's what the rally comes down to. Is It's not just charities, it's people helping. But yes, the money goes to, and we're officially going to name the rallies next week. Um, the hardest decision as a board of directors we probably have to make is the fact of who, we have so many charities that apply. And our number one, we have a couple of rules with the charities. Number one, it has to be local. We do not give money to national organizations to, you know, supply somebody's multi-million dollar salary. We don't do that. Yeah. It has to be. We want everyone to see where all the good time money that we raise during the rally goes. Um, and Fort Smith Museum of History has been a recipient of that in the past, you know, not because of what they do for the rally, because it's sitting here today in the Fort Smith Museum of History in the broadcast room. Um, it's just, a, you know, we want to support places that support the community of Fort Smith or tell the story of Fort Smith. But um, one of our rules is local charities and, <coughs> pardon me, our mission statement says it's for veterans, children, and for the betterment of Fort Smith. So they have to fall somewhere in that category. I know one of our newer charities, Handing Out for Youth and Family from last year, uh, Charlotte Tidwell does an incredible job. It's not just giving out uh, food to those in need with food insecurities. It goes beyond. It's about teaching youngsters how to garden. I mean, just ama- there's so many amazing charities, and we would love to be big enough to give money to every single one of them. But like I said just a moment ago, our hardest part of, of the year is picking out the charities um, of the several dozen applications that we get. Yeah, and like you said, you have the local charities that are in need as much as your big nationwide. And you said, and it's and it's a perfect example. You look at the bigger charities that they've got a CEO that's pulling in six, seven figures, and yeah, they bring in a lot of money, but I don't see where my money's going. If I get to a nationwide charity, I can't see where it's going. Well, I guarantee, I guarantee you, you give money to Antioch for Youth and Family, other ports, anybody that you give locally, you, every single penny is used to help that charity sustain itself. And that being said, we all know what's going on with this pandemic. It's been terrible. A lot of charities didn't survive. Mm-hmm. We almost didn't survive because we have one big fundraiser a year, and that is the Steel Horse Rally. And during 2020, we got shut down, just like everybody else got shut down. And we came very, very close to going completely out of business. But there again, thanks to the generosity and the kindness of businesses that said, no, 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 we want to help. It kept us afloat. Uh, We made it to this 2021, which was a record year. But like I said, we don't make a whole lot of money because we don't charge an entry fee. We don't charge people to come be a part of it. You know, the vendors obviously rent a vendor space, and we have a small bar that we set up down in First National Bank parking lot. Uh, and, you know, and besides our sponsors, our sponsors are so very, very important to us because they really are the, the financial fuel for the rally. Without our sponsors, Choctaw Casino, First National Bank, Fort Smith, Harley-Davidson, the city of Fort Smith has stepped up to help us out. As a matter of fact, the city of Fort Smith, is the sponsor of the Entertainment District Cups. And these cups are designed very simply and very cleanly. They'll have the Steel Horse Rally logo with Fort Smith, Arkansas, and because we want people to take that home. Most importantly, it's in Fort Smith, Arkansas. We want people to go online and look up more things about Fort Smith, Arkansas. And most importantly, as the president of the Steel Horse Rally, I want to see people come back. One thing I've noticed is more and more motorcycle traffic during the summer months after the rally. 
because people that have never been here are coming here and going, wow, this place rocks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can go out and ride during the week and not see another car for an hour. It's pretty cool. And that's, I know I still take a lot of enjoyment from doing that. I mean, that's another reason I still ride the Harley Davidson with my beautiful wife in it. It's like, it's a very special place. And all we need to do is get it all shined up and all cleaned up and everybody put a smile on their face and welcome these hundreds of thousands of people that are going to come in and give you their money. If you just welcome them, they're going to make you feel real welcome by increasing your bank account. And in turn, we ask you to support the Steel Horse Rally simply so we can do it next year. Yeah, and year after year. That's it. Well, I want to personally thank you for coming in today. We talked about your radio. We talked a little bit about the TV show. We, our main focus was talking about the Steel Horse Rally. Now, when are the dates again with the, the entire schedule? Steel Horse Rally officially happens May 6th and May 7th. Here's the easiest way to remember when the Steel Horse Rally is. It's always the first weekend of May. Always. Now, like I said, sometimes we butt up against Mother's Day, which some people, and some, you know, you've got graduation in there too, but hey, that's only one night. We'll be going the night before, and uh, but it's always the first weekend of May. This year for 2022, it's May 6th, May 7th, all over downtown Fort Smith, and Friday night, May 6th, Tri-State Speedway. They've got uh, the micro wrestling and the flaunt girls coming in, plus extreme track racing. We got something going on in two states, and we're, by the way, one of the only two-state motorcycle rallies in the entire country. Thanks to everybody that comes to support the rally, you can get. Uh, we do have one thing I didn't mention, the VIB, which is very important biker. This is another area that generates a little bit of revenue for us. We have a VIB tent where you can sit down, which is a huge commodity during the rally. I mean, you, you ride in sitting down. But yes. When you've walked all day long looking at all the vendors, you want to sit down. The VIB tent has places to sit. You have your own waitress there. They come to you. Um, you get a uh, goodie bag from area merchants. Uh, and you can get VIB packages starting very, very soon at thesteelhorserally.com. I think it's a $99 donation, which is cheap for a VIB deal. Uh, you also get to, when you go to Tri-State Speedway, we have a special uh, the VIB lines of Steel Horse, the Shootout Lounge, which is closed. Unless you have a VIB pass, you can't even get in there. So um, it's a lot of special things going on. But once again, thanks to you for having me, DJ. I appreciate it. And don't forget, any information you ever need is thesteelhorserally.com. Okay, sir. I want to thank you for coming in today. Take your time. I know you have a busy schedule. May is going to be here before you know it. And you got to get to your next meeting. So I appreciate your time today and look forward to talking to you again. All right, man, ride hard. This podcast is brought to you by the Fort Smith Museum of History, located at 320 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith, Arkansas. The museum is devoted to preserving the history of Fort Smith and the surrounding area and is open Tuesday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., or you can visit them online at www.fortsmithmuseum.org. For museum and ticket information, please call 479-783-7841.